Hey, girlfriend, and welcome to Candace Barber, the podcast. I'm your host, Candace. I'm a wife and mother to three beautiful children. I live by the quote, speaking your truth gives others permission to do the same. So this podcast has been created to share with you my truth and bring you beautiful women sharing their motherhood journey in a very raw and relatable way. I'm also here to help you to get to know yourself and teach you how to be a spiritual babe in the modern world. I'm a psychic medium, Reiki practitioner and life coach and I believe the key to happiness is truly understanding and loving who you are. I will be sharing with you what I know and what I've learned so far on my journey to self in weekly episodes called Thoughts on Thursdays. So with all that being said, let's jump into today's episode. Today's episode is with the beautiful Jess Leary. Those who currently follow Jess on Instagram will tell you that she's a beautiful, authentic, kind-hearted mother with two incredibly intelligent little children. In today's episode, Jess talks about her incredible way that she met her husband, Terry. She shares with us her birthing experience with Mia and how it necessarily wasn't the way that she was envisioning her first birth to go and how she was able to heal from that and have the most empowering birth with her son, Hudson. We also chat about the importance of finding self in motherhood, maintaining who we are and having a really strong relationship with our significant other. And she also shares some really practical tips on how to create time for you and your partner when you are really time poor in motherhood. Jess and I have been friends on Instagram for over four years now, so it's with great joy that I bring to you Jess. Hey Jess, thanks so much for being on today's episode. How are you going? I'm good. Thank you for asking me to be on. You're so welcome. I was um, saying to Terry that I was like, oh my God, the last couple of episodes, like the first couple have been these amazing stories and it's just going to be me now just talking about oh, no. <laughs> no, you have got such, you're so interesting. And I even know when you pop your stories up on Instagram, people love asking questions about you and um, you have this really beautiful thing online where I feel like you keep a lot to yourself, but you also let people wanting to know more. And I love, like we've talked, we've just had a little chat before this started. You've got so much in your life that I just want to jump into and I think everyone is going to love this thank you yeah yeah I definitely think I yeah I keep a lot to myself yes but yeah I'd like to let people in a little bit more I think well I think this is a perfect way to do that and I'm sure everyone listening is so excited to to get to know Jess a little bit better now you are a mum to two beautiful little children you've got Mia who's four and Hudson who you call Huddy who's two and a beautiful husband named Terry yes Your family is just so beautiful. Those who follow you on Instagram will know just how gorgeous they are. Thank you. And before we go into your story, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every person I get onto this podcast. What is your signature dish when you cook? I was thinking about this because I've been listening to your podcast, of course. Um, So when I cook, say if we're going to like a family dinner or whatever, I eat mostly vegan, so I'll take like the vegan dessert or like a vegan option. So that's what I usually cook. But my favourite food, like if I'm just going to cook what I really want, is tacos. Like Terry proposed to me over tacos. Like that's <laughs> that's how much I love them. They're like, yeah, all-time favourite. I must say every time I put up question blocks on Insta about like meal preps or food ideas, you always say tacos. Yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah. Something Mexican is always like my favorite Mexican or Italian. 
Oh yeah. Sure. Now, do you cook vegan taco tacos or do you have like just like normal tacos? Like how do you make them? Yeah, I make vegan tacos. So I have like this, it's like beans and corn and tomato and chili and stuff like a vegan mix. Yeah. Yeah. And does do your kids eat vegan as well or mostly vegan? And they eat mostly vegan. Um so like the meals that I cook at home are usually vegan, which was Terry's idea actually, because I was wanting to be vegan for a long time. It was just hard though, cooking for like the whole family. And then mm. one day Terry said, if you want, you can just cook vegan food at home and I'll just eat meat or whatever when I'm out. Like yeah. that's fine. It was his yeah. idea. So yeah, mostly that's what we eat at home, but the kids will eat a little bit. If I'm cooking some meat for Terry or there's something in the fridge, they'll have a little bit, but they've never really liked meat anyway. So yeah. Yeah. I must say with Will, he was never like, he didn't eat a lot of meat in the first couple of years of his life. It's only been, yeah. I reckon, in the last 12 to 18 months that he's kind of started, I guess, getting the taste for it. Yeah. But I always find mums who do share their food journey online always go, what about the kids? Like, does it really matter if the kids eat vegan? Like, they're not yeah. missing out on anything, guys. Like, yeah. you ask them if they want to eat meat. No, we don't. We just give it to them. Like, it's the same thing. I yes, feel. exactly. It's like people will say, you know, I let my kids eat a bit of everything, but there are people that choose to only feed them vegan. And there's always that thing of, why are you forcing this choice on them? But it's sort of the same thing as forcing the meat choice on them. Like you feed them what you eat usually. Yeah. That's the way it normally exactly. goes. So yeah, but my kids have never, and I was the same as a kid. I didn't like meat. I've never really liked it. I just yeah. sort of forced myself to eat it. And neither of my kids have really loved it if it's on their plate they might eat it but usually they'll leave it yeah and I, like we'll get into this because this is just the type of woman you are but I could never imagine me or Heidi coming up to you in like 10 years time or 15 years time going hey mum I'm actually going to start eating meat now like I could never see you going no you can't do that like yeah. it's always for you the choice is always there I'm presuming yes 100 percent. yeah perfect all right let's jump into this so the first question I want to know is right at the very beginning how did you and Terry meet Okay. It's a long story. <laughs> I was thinking about this and like, how do I summarize it? Um, so basically we knew of each other for years before we met. Um, I think I knew about him before he knew about me, but where we live is kind of small in Tassie, but I knew his family for probably like three or four years before I met him. Wow. Like aunties and uncles and the whole family, um, grandparents. I was best friends with one of his cousins and I just heard, you know, do you just hear in family stories? It's a big family, but I would hear of like Terry or like your cousin, Terry, like I would just had heard of him Yeah, and I'd seen a couple of photos of him, but not really, didn't really have an idea in my head of what he looked like. Like just things. Those photos though? I can't even remember, honestly. But there were just things like I remember once we'd been at the beach, me and some friends, and driving back from the beach and his car going past and my best friend's partner being like, oh, there's your cousin Terry. And like just things like that where we'd nearly been in the same place, but we hadn't ever been in the same place. And then, and there was times like, because he's a barber, but he's a hairdresser as well. And so he was hairdressing and we were going to some event and he was going to do my best friend his cousin's hair for that and I was supposed to be there with her getting ready so I would have met him that night but I didn't end up going like we just times we could have met but we did yeah and then 
it came to like 2011 and I'd been doing a bit of modeling and stuff and I didn't know this story until our wedding day when we were writing to write like our love story for the celebrant to read out yeah and I said to Terry when was the first time you knew who I was and it was in 2011 a different cousin showed him a picture of me modeling like a picture on stage a really like not how I look every day (laughs) just just quickly what were you modeling it was like a modeling competition it was like bikinis and stuff but I think I was in a dress it was like this really fitted dress I was in Queensland yeah (laughs) I think I'd had my makeup professionally done like it was a good photo um and he told me that his cousin had showed him this picture and said this is so his cousin that I was friends with her name was Jordan and another cousin had said this is Jordan's best friend look at her and Terry told me like I didn't find this out until our before our wedding. He said he saw the picture of me and said, like, whoa, she's hot or whatever. He was like, I'm going to marry her. Stop. <laughs> and I think he was just joking, but, like, he had said, I'm going to marry her. Wow. Yeah. So he, I think he added me on Facebook. And this was back in the day when I'd had a lot of Facebook friends who just accepted anyone, like, yeah. didn't care. And when we were friends on Facebook, he was a bit like how we are now, like banter, but he would like just make fun of me all the time. Like I would write something and he'd have like a smart ass remark. Yeah. And one time I just got sick of it and I deleted him and he messaged me and was like, I think I said to his cousin, I was like, sorry, I deleted your cousin, but like, he's just an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he messaged me and he was like, oh, you didn't like that joke or whatever. And I was like, no, like, I just think you're a bit of a dickhead something. And we left it like it wasn't, anything horrible but I just was like I don't want to be friends with you you're a dickhead yeah and then fast forward probably like a month or so I was at I was actually supposed to be at a party and I decided not to go it was another one of those like sliding doors it literally came down to I got a glass of wine spilt on my outfit so I decided not to go like cracked the shits and was like nah I'm staying home yeah I was living with his cousin and in all the time I'd known her He'd never come to her house or anything like that. But that night, he, two of the cousins, him and another cousin, decided to come over and visit the cousin that I lived with. And um, when I found out he was coming, it was this weird feeling of like, oh, we hate each other. (laughs) Like, like, he thinks I'm a bitch. Like, I I deleted him (laughs) off Facebook. This is going to be so awkward. But I was also, there was this weird, like, excitement. I didn't even know why because I didn't know him, but it was just like this, oh, I'm excited yeah. to meet him. And I was like sitting on the, this like classic 2011 Jess, I was like sitting on the couch, drinking a beer, playing Call of Duty, like, oh my and gosh. I didn't know, I never knew you knew how to play, like, or a yeah. gamer. Wow. <laughs> Not as much anymore, but back then I was like really into it. And he came in and as soon as I saw him, I still can remember like, the second that I saw him like I can still picture it in my head as soon as I saw him I was like whoa not even just because I thought he was good looking but it was just like something in me was like I don't know it was just this weird like that's someone really important like a weird I know exactly how you are feeling because when I met Kyle I didn't think oh my god you're the one but I was like holy shit there is definitely something that I need to pursue in that. Yeah it was something and it reminds me I'll get into later when we talk about the kids and stuff but 
it reminds me of the first time I saw Mia when she was oh. first born and different, you know, both births were special. But when I first looked into Mia's eyes, it was like I'd known her forever. It was yeah. like that. It was like a, like when I saw him, it was just like my subconscious knew something. Knew him. Yeah. And so we ended up, it was a little bit awkward because of the deleting each other or Facebook, or whatever. It was a little bit awkward, but we're all just drinking and it was fun and we got talking and it was fine. But I was just thinking, oh, he probably thinks I'm such a bitch. And like all he's ever seen of me is like these modeling photos. And he probably just thinks I'm like a snob and whatever. But we ended up get to- getting talking and we were drinking and it just got to the point where everyone went to bed, but we stayed up talking until 8.30 in the morning. Oh my gosh. And it was a weird, like, it was sort of unspoken, but we both knew there was something really, and nothing, we didn't kiss, nothing romantic happened, but it was just like, we both knew yeah. there was something. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day he said, this is my number, he messaged me, I think we re-outed each other on Facebook, <laughs> and he messaged me and said, this is my number if you ever want to catch up for coffee. But he was moving to Queensland, so, and I'd been planning to, I think that's how we got talking that night, I'd been planning to move to Queensland already. Yeah. So we'd sort of, I was like, well, if you need a wing woman while you're up there, I know lots of like models and stuff, and it was just like funny, lighthearted. So he was like, we can catch up for coffee and talk about Queensland. Like maybe we could be housemates, whatever. And his other cousin was moving too. So it wasn't just like me and him planning to move together or anything. But <laughs> we ended up going for coffee. So we met on the Saturday. We went for coffee on the Monday, I think. And I remember thinking, like I was excited to see him, but I was like, I'm pretty sure the other night was just, we were both drunk. It was nighttime you know, we had good conversation, but I bet we'll see each other today in daylight, sober, and it will be awkward. Oh it'll be God. so awkward. Yeah. Because he was moving in a couple of weeks, so I didn't want to like him. Like, it no. was, you know, not a good situation. And so, we went for coffee, and and I'm quite shy if I don't know someone. I've had situations where I've had a good conversation while having a few drinks, but then sober, like, if I don't know someone well, I'm pretty shy it's really yeah. awkward you get that liquid courage up yeah yeah and it takes me quite a while like once I'm friends with someone I've talked too much but at first I'm quite shy yeah so we had this coffee and it was amazing like we there was no awkward silences we had like great conversation mm. and then he drove me home and when I got out of the car I was like fuck like I think I'm in love with him like I was like oh no like I'm in love with this person <laughs> so like I was like oh no like it just wasn't I didn't want to like him but yeah and then basically by I think it was like by this following Saturday we had kissed Mm. by like two weeks later we were boyfriend and girlfriend and like in love and like pretty much knew that we were going to be together forever basically and he moved to Queensland just after Christmas so we met on the 5th of December yep he moved to Queensland, I think, on Boxing Day, and I moved to Queensland at the end of January with him. Oh like, moved gosh. in together. We, like, lived wow. together straight away. And, yeah, it, now it's been nine years. I've actually got goosebumps listening to that. And yeah. 
like I know it probably sounds crazy to some people, yeah. but if they follow you or if you go and follow Jess, if you see photos of her and Terry together, you would understand that that chemistry was there instantly. Because even in a photo, you two can see how much you love each other. And it's yeah. so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. And I know most people thought we were crazy. Like people are like, this is ridiculous. You just met, like, what are you going to do if you oh get to gosh. Queensland and then you don't like each other? But we just knew. I remember saying to people, you'll see in like a few years when we're still together or like, oh, yeah. you'll see one day we'll be married to each other and you'll know. Yeah. I was so confident in it. Yeah. But yeah, I know how you feel too. Cause like Kyle and I were like friends for about eight months before we got together. But as soon as we got together, we had bought a house within three months. We started trying for a baby within six months and people thought that we were crazy. And people did make comments like this isn't going to last and all that sort of stuff. And it didn't really bother us too much. Cause like you were just like, we know what's there and yeah. you'll, you'll see in time. That's all you need to prove it. Not that we need to prove ourselves, but I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, now when I see couples and they fall in love really quickly, I'm like, I almost think that's better. Like, it's great if you're friends for years and then you slowly fall in love. That's beautiful as well. But I just, I don't know. I'm sort of like, you know, when you watch like The Bachelor and it's the finale and they already say they want to marry each other and everyone's like, oh, how could you know? Like, I love those stories because like I know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know that it's a real thing. Aww, yeah. That is so beautiful. Okay. So, you and Terry had this really beautiful love story. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide that you wanted to become parents? So, I mean, first I'll probably take it back to like probably the day after we met because, you know, we stayed up all night talking. And in the morning, I remember watching him because the cousin that I lived with, they had a one-year-old son. Yep. And I remember watching him play with him. And something in my head was like, that's the father of my children. Like the day after we met. And I remember even thinking, I didn't even know if I wanted to marry him or anything. I just thought that's who I'm going to have babies with. And so, you know, our whole relationship, we knew that we wanted to have kids. Um, And we would talk about it even when we lived in Queensland, we'd only been together for like weeks or months and we would talk about our kids and what they would look like and we thought we'd have a boy first and it was always a conversation and he knew that I really wanted to have kids eventually. It was like a, you know, non-negotiable thing for me, no matter what. I didn't even know if I wanted to get married, like marriage wasn't even that important to me, but kids, 100%. Yeah. I always said if I didn't have a partner by 30, I would have kids on my own. Like it was important to me. Always had that deep ingrained to be a mum. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So our thing was basically, we just, you know, we decided pretty early on that we wanted to build a house even before marriage or anything. We just wanted to get a house. That was our, financially, that was our priority. Yep. So, and we, we met when I was 20 and Terry was 22. So we knew we wanted to be parents kind of young, but it wasn't, there was no rush. Yep. We just wanted to build our house first. And basically we said, once we were in our house, we could have kids whenever. Um, And I sort of thought, you know, once I realized I did want to marry him, I sort of thought maybe after we get married would be nice. But he was obviously in no rush to marry me. It took like (laughs) four years for him to propose. So um, we knew that that's what we wanted. It just wasn't a priority. Um, But we were living in this tiny little unit while we were saving to build a house. 
I worked like seven days a week and Terry worked offshore on an oil rig and like building that house was our goal, our priority. Yeah. And we lived in this tiny little unit with cheap rent and we would say all the time, this was like a couple of years of living there, two or three years. We would see babies or talk about kids and I'd be like, oh, I just want a baby so badly. And he would too. But we'd be like, we can't fit a baby in our house. So that was the one thing. We, we probably would have had kids like a year or two in. Yeah. But we were just like, we can't fit a kid in our house. Yeah. Let's wait. Kind of need room for a baby. Yeah. yeah. And basically there was never a, we weren't like, let's try to have a baby right now. It was basically just, we knew once we lived in our house, we could have kids. Yep. And we'd sort of said, if we can help it, we'd rather not have to actively try, like have that conversation and do all the timing. And, you know, yeah. if we, if we don't have to do that, that would be great because we feel like that would be, make things a bit awkward. We'd rather just let it happen when we wanted to. Yeah. And it does. It does. Like yeah. every time you have sex, you're like, mums who do struggle to conceive, you're like, oh my God, was that it? Was that it? What is that? Yeah. So I totally get you. Like that would be the dream to just yes. be able to naturally, oh my gosh, we're having a baby. Yes. And I've had like friends and family members where like everyone knows they're trying and it's talked about all the time. And I was like, yeah. if I could not have that, that would be nice. So it was like a few months before our house was ready um, because I get migraines and stuff. I was on the pill and my migraines were getting worse. And my doctor was like, if you could not be on the pill, that would be better for you. And yeah. eventually Terry was like, just don't worry about it. Just don't take it. We'll figure it out. And then, yeah, we basically just, let it happen and it happened very quickly and I found out I was pregnant two weeks before we moved into our house wow so yeah we never really discussed it but when we talked about it later we both like just knew that that was about to happen but without talking about it um yeah like that is like manifestation to the t like so focused like just to bring it back to that for a moment like when you are so focused on the outcome and you truly believe that that is what's going to happen that is what you bring into your life like how was the the timing of that yeah well and also, just before. my other thing was because I didn't get my driver's license till I was 23 so a bit late but I also had in my head I cannot have a child until I have my license that's yep. a goal I found out I was pregnant the day after I passed my driving test. Stop it. Like I was literally like had tiny little mirror in my belly while I was like, <laughs> I this crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So you I found know. out you were pregnant with Mia. How was your pregnancy with her? Did you find out what you were having during that time? Yeah. So my pregnancy with Mia was great. Um, I had gestational diabetes, but apart from that, it was like a really good, pretty easy. Like I just loved being pregnant. Um, I was the same the with Will first, first, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved having a belly. I just loved all of it. I mean, it was hard, but I loved it. Um, but for the first 18 weeks, I would say, we all thought it was a boy. And we had talked before. We didn't have a preference, but we'd always pictured our first baby being a boy. Yep. And I would always picture, I had this image in my head of driving in my car and looking in the back seat and there being a little boy. Not a baby, mm-hmm. but like a four-year-old boy sort of thing. So I always just had this feeling that it would be a boy. Um, Although when I pictured my future kids, like more than one, it was always a boy and a girl. Yeah. Um, But I didn't have a preference. I I sort of always hoped I would have a daughter, at least one daughter. But I, you know, if I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. But we all thought this was a boy. Everyone in my family, Terry, me, we all were like 100% convinced it was a boy. And it got to a point because Terry was working away. So we would talk on the phone about this. And I was like, I need to know 
if this isn't a boy because I'm like falling in love with my son. Like I think this is a boy. And then a few days before our scan where we would find out, I talked to Terry on the phone. He ended up coming home the day of the scan, but this was a few days before. And I said to Terry, you know, like how sure we were that it was a boy. I'm suddenly that sure that it's a girl. Like it's a girl, 100% like this is a girl. And I spoke to my mum and she was the only other person without me saying it to her. She's like, it's a girl. Like I just, I know it's a girl. And then, so yeah, we had our gender scan. The person telling us that it was a girl was not very enthusiastic. It was weird. It was, it got to the end. He was like, all right, so that's that. I was like, um, can you tell us, <laughs> can you see <laughs> the gender? Um, and he was just like, oh, yeah, this one looks like a girl. You're like, this is like the biggest moment of my yeah. life and you are so unenthusiastic. Yeah. Like, I'm glad it's healthy, but like you all, we all know why we're here. We do. Let's just, let's just get over it with you. Like, um, yeah, but so we found out it was a girl and most of the family were really shocked. But as soon as we knew that it was a girl, I was like, yep. And it's funny because it changed. We had one of like a fairly unisex, like cool name. There were all these names on our list. And as soon as I knew that she was in there, I was like, no, she's got a girly name. It's like I knew her. Yeah. I just, and once we came up with her name, I would feel my belly and say a few names and she would only kick when I said Mia Grace. Like it was crazy. Like, yeah. That is so beautiful. Yeah. I never had those moments in pregnancy. Like right here, I'm pretty sure I've heard you say this story before on Instagram. We've been following each other for like over four years. Um, and I always used to hear these stories and I was like, oh, why doesn't my babies ever do that? And then I had moments with Axie where if I would meditate, he'd kick. If I'd stop meditating, he'd stop kicking. And I was like, oh, yes. my little moment. Yes. <laughs> so- I had so many with Mia, like, it's a different thing with Hudson that like we have a beautiful relationship, but with Mia, it's almost like we're like soulmates. Oh, like, weird. Yeah. I would rub a certain spot that I could tell was her back and she would push her back into my hand. And like she would hear Terry's voice and wriggle her body to that side of my belly oh, and wow. stuff. Like she's, I think she's an old soul for sure. Like she, she's so an old soul. She's yeah. just the most incredible little girl. Like uh-huh. I guess we'll talk about this later, but I was her, her and William are only a couple of months apart. And I remember watching you as a first time mom and you, your first time mom and seeing you on Instagram and seeing what was Mia was up to. I was like, oh yeah, we would do that soon. And then it would happen months later like she is just all knowing isn't she all the time I'm like who are you (laughs) where did you come from she's yeah who's your mind she's amazing yeah so you had a really beautiful time with Mia with your pregnancy and getting to the birth did you go into spontaneous labor did were you induced how how did Mia come earthside so I had done the test at like 36 weeks where you find out if you have, you know, the group B strep where you might need the antibiotics. And I found I I did have that. So I would need antibiotics. Um, So they basically said, you know, if your water breaks first, you need to come in, Um, you know, and there was all these scenarios, but it wasn't a big deal, but it was like, when your water breaks, you'll need antibiotics. She was born on Valentine's day. So on the 13th, Every year I used to make Terry, or I still try to, but make Terry cupcakes for Valentine's Day. Because mm-hmm. um, the first couple of years we were together, we had like no money. So all of our like traditions are very like low budget. I would just yeah. make cupcakes. And the, and the picnic so, in the backyard is also, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we, 
I went down to the supermarket and I bought the things to make cupcakes. It was a Saturday, so he would only work like half the day. Yeah. And I came home and I'd quickly made the cupcakes and put them in the oven. And as I was washing the dishes, I felt like this little bit of a gush. And I was like, mm. no, like I didn't think it was really anything. And then I was like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a fair bit of something coming out of me. Um, and my first thought was like, no, I need to finish the cupcakes. I, I love think, how like the rational thoughts yes. always come to you when you're yes. in labor. No, I've got to do this. Yes. And I, I think I hadn't put them in the oven yet. I think I'd like sat the tray there and was washing the bowl. And I, as soon as I realized what might be happening, I turned around and put the cupcakes in the oven and set a timer. It was like, <laughs> no, Terry's going to be home in a few hours. I'm making these cupcakes. And was this and, obviously in the morning? Yeah. I think this was like 11 a.m. Yep. It was around 11. So, and Terry would be home at like two. So I think I went and I put a pad on because they tell you if you think your water's broken, put a pad on. So I did yeah. that. And then I felt a few more little gushes, but I was, I think I just convinced myself, like I got a bit nervous and I got a bit weird about it and convinced myself it wasn't <laughs> happening. Even though like I knew in the back of my mind, if my water broke, I needed to tell the hospital because yeah. it would be strep. But I just, I think having the pad on, I didn't really feel it as much. And then it sort of slowed down. And, you know, because if the baby's in a certain position, all your water doesn't just come yeah, out all the time. plugs it, months. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I think it was just like a few little leaks. And then, you know, I finished the cupcakes and everything and like hid them in a certain part of the fridge as if Terry doesn't know that I make him cupcakes every year. It's like a surprise every year. Um, and Terry got home at like two and it was this awkward you know, same thing as when I told him I was pregnant or when we got engaged, like these big moments end up being a bit awkward between us. Like we're not very good at big <laughs> special moments. I don't know. Like we get a bit funny and we we're just chatting about work and stuff. And then I was like, oh, something happened, but I'm not sure if it's anything. Like it took a little while to tell him. Oh my God. And I think he didn't take it seriously because I played it down and he went out on the deck and was sunbaking and then more and more was coming out. And I went out to him and said, I'm just going to have a shower just in case. So I went and had a shower, washed my hair. But in the shower, I started to cramp a little bit. And this is yeah. a few hours after my water had first broke. I started to cramp. And I had, I don't know, I started to think in the shower, oh, this might be it. Like I kind of wish Terry would come in and check on me because for a minute it got a bit painful. Don't you just get like, think back at this story and go, girl, what yes. were you yeah. thinking? Oh, of course you were in labor. <laughs> yes. And so I got out, dried my hair. I think I got Terry to straighten my hair for me. And then I was like, and then I'll call the hospital after all. Like I have to be prepared, have which is be. so me. Like I have to be ready on my own terms to go. Yeah. And when I called them because of the group B strap, obviously they were like, come in might not be your waters but just come in and we'll check and it was still only just like every now and then a little gush so I was like I could just be weighing myself it could be nothing oh, by the time we got in the car like even you know we put all our baby bags in the car this was like five o'clock by then like six hours later wow. we put our bags in the car and I remember walking out of the house thinking this could be the last time I leave the house without a baby but I still thought nah no. this isn't it like I'm going to get excited. I sort of thought I'd have a few false alarms like people have. And well, How far pregnant were you? I was 39 and three. 
Oh yeah, so that's the that's when I went to Will, labor with Will too. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, I mean, it's cool that it's happening now, but probably not. And and everyone says first time mum, you go overdue and yeah, you know. And on the way to the hospital, I said to Terry, I don't think this is it because I can't really feel it that much. But then, you know, a few minutes into the car ride, it was more and more coming out. So I was like, mm, yeah, 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 I think this is it. Yeah. But still walking in there, I was so calm. I wasn't really having contractions or anything apart from that bit of cramping in the shower. And as I sat on the bed in, so it was labour ward, but like observation room. And I sat down and the midwife, I'd always heard of people's midwife sort of fobbing them off and being like, oh, this won't be your waters. You've probably just wet yourself. But this midwife was like, I think it is. It sounds like it might be. Like she was really beautiful and um as I laid on the bed and they walked out to get whatever they used to test if it's your waters. And when I laid on the bed, I had my first contraction and I hadn't even had Braxton Hicks. It was my first ever contraction, like six hours after my water broke. And I was like, Oh, that's a contraction. Like I've never felt that. So I know that that's something different. Like, um, and they walked in and they were like, yep, that's your waters. Like it was so calm. Like it was just so calm. It was like, you know, 5.30 in the afternoon, it was quiet there. And they were like, yep, let's take you. We'll have to induce you because it's been like six hours. You're not in labour. You've got the group B strep. We'll yep. put you on the drip. You know, I was like, I think one to two centimetres dilated, but my water had gone. And yeah, they were like, we'll just induce you. And they put me on the drip. Um, and as soon as I was on the drip, it was intense. So yeah. once I started having contractions, they were, I think they started at like four minutes apart. Yeah. Um, and Terry went home to feed our cat because we right. hadn't even thought to do that. I was like, yeah. go home. You know, it'll be a while. Like induction takes ages as far as I knew. And so they were like four minutes apart and then three minutes apart and then two minutes pretty quickly. Like Terry got back and they were, I think, like two minutes apart. Wow. And intense. Like the midwives were telling me on the monitor, they were like very, very strong. But I was coping really well. Like yeah. I felt really in control. Um, and pretty soon, within probably an hour or two, they were like one minute apart, lasting for a minute. So I like oh, went from never wow. having a contraction to like very intense. Yeah. But I did cope really well. And then after a while, I asked for the gas and that was fine. But it didn't really, I didn't find it that helpful. Yeah. But I was still coping pretty well. Like, you know, by then it was dark and we were watching TV and the midwife was, it was a very quiet, calm I didn't say a word during my labour. Like I didn't swear. I didn't scream. It wow. was like very quiet. And that was until I had Hudson. That was how I thought. That's how I cope with pain. I just go quiet. And I sort of like when I get migraines, I like lay in bed and just cover my eyes and go quiet. Yeah. I need that. And Terry was just holding my hand and like it was all fine. And then I think it got a bit intense and like I might have just made a couple of little sounds and for some reason a midwife was there and suggested I get an epidural I hadn't asked I hadn't mentioned oh I didn't God. have a preference but I thought well I sort of beforehand thought I'd rather not get one yep. if I need one I need one but it's not my first yeah you know first option so they were like oh what about an epidural and I was like oh do you think I should get one? And anyone that knows me well, I'm not very good at speaking up for myself. I'm quite like, oh, whatever, or, you know. I was like, oh, what do you think? And 
I said, I think I said to Terry, because I couldn't even like speak loud enough at that point, I was in a lot of pain. I was like, just tell them if it's going to be a long time, I need one. Yep. But if, if, it, if it'll only be another couple of hours, I can do this. Yeah. But if it's going to be a long time, then I need one. Yeah. And this was at about 11 o'clock. So they checked me at like 5.30 and I was one to two centimetres. And this was at like, I think it was even like 10.30. It was like five hours later. And they were like, yep, you're only going to dilate. It's your first baby. It'll probably be like one centimetre every few hours or something. They said something that made it sound like it was going to be another like a long time. And I was in a lot of pain. So it made me be like, okay, sure. And I don't know why. I don't know why they did that or... I don't know. It's so strange to me, but basically I was like, sure. Cause they scared me into it. Like, yeah, this is going to be a long time that you're in this pain. They, so they, they pushed me into it as well. Yeah. well I understand and, exactly how you're feeling. And I don't know why. And, and it's the so, first time mom, you really just don't understand. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like you, you can do as much as you can to prepare yourself, which is amazing. And I keep telling my friends this, who are all of my friends are now just having babies as I've just had my third, of course, but I keep saying to them, you just don't know what it's going to be like when you get into there. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they gave me the epidural and, um, then they checked me after they gave me the epidural and I was eight centimeters and I was angry. I was angry straight away. Didn't say anything to them, of course. No. I was like, I could have done this. Like, I didn't need that. I'm haven't even screamed. Haven't even like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was like, I haven't even told them I was in a lot of pain. I could be pushing my baby out in a couple of hours. Like, why? Yeah. Because, like, if, if I had checked you at, like, that point and said, oh, you're eight centimetres. I would have been epidural. like, yes, I can do this. Like, yeah. I would have yeah. been empowered instead of being scared into it. So, you know, I was eight centimetres and I was laying there just waiting for the epidural to kick in. And it just never really... I had this... Because I had back labour. Yeah. Me was posterior. She was sort of all twisted. It was. It was... Yeah, crazy, but we sort of. Oh, sorry. Um, we're okay, sweetie, please leave. Okay, see ya. So sorry, Jess. So okay. sorry, mum life. <laughs> okay, so she was all in a bit of a weird position, back pain. Yeah. Yep. So I was mostly having back labour, and so the epidural sort of it worked in that it numbed me, but I had this massive patch in my back that I could still feel, and my back was the most painful part. So I was like, oh. this sucks I can't even it hasn't helped yeah and I kept telling them I was still having to use the gas the whole time yeah but the epidural did work in that I couldn't push properly I couldn't feel my pushes right so but when it came time to push it was the classic like they just told me I was 10 centimeters and told me to push so I did I couldn't how long did it take you to get to 10 centimeters from there so she was born at like 2.43, I think. So so it happened relatively quickly yeah, after you had the epi anyway. Yeah. And and I was pushing for quite a while. So I probably started pushing at like 1, 1.30. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't really feel anything. And the time was going quickly. Like I, the midwives were saying to me, you're doing such a good job. Well done. So I thought, I'm pushing this baby out. I can't feel it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I was thinking, this has been such an easy labor. I haven't even screamed. Like I'm just pushing my baby out so easily. And then My hair straightened. <laughs> and then suddenly the midwife was like, just a minute and left the room. And like four people came in. And one of them was this doctor who, because I had gestational diabetes, I didn't mention this, but I'd had growth scans. And at one of the growth scans, they told me she was very big, which yep. is concerned with gestational diabetes. And I was a bit worried about 
the birth, not the pain, but like safety wise, is it going to be okay? And this one doctor who I'd never seen before, but he happened to be the doctor who saw me on this day had said, no, you don't have a big belly. Your baby's not big. The ultrasound's just wrong. Don't worry about it. And just blew off all my concerns. And he was the doctor who came in when I was pushing her out. Of course he was. And, and he was not a nice man. Um, but he came in and he said, so they've told me that you've been pushing for an hour and a half. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know it had been that long. They're like, you've been pushing for a long time and nothing's happening. Your baby's stuck. Your pushing's not working properly. Would you like some help with the suction to get her out? And at that point, I wasn't even worried. I just thought, well, if I say yes, I can have her faster. Like, I just yeah. want my baby. So, like, yeah. yeah. And everything was still so calm. And I was like, and I, I was like, just nodded because I was in the middle of a contraction. Yep. Okay. And he was like, well, do you want my help or not? Like, I was told that you need help. Do you want help or not? He was oh really, gosh. like, I'm in labour. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, like, I was like, yes, please. Like, I had to use my manners for him to, to help me. Like, he was <laughs> awful. Um, but anyway, it ended up being, at that point, it all got a bit, there was a lot of people in the room. There was a bit of a panic. But I really went inside myself. I had my eyes closed, wasn't looking at what was going on, but Terry was watching everything. And he said that the doctor was like, so he had the suction on and he told me to push. And then he was talking to the midwives, not to me, saying, she's not pushing. She's not pushing oh properly. My God. Like, what an asshole. Yeah, he was horrible. And because I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. Um, like, but they could have told me that I couldn't. Uh, and I said to him, I can't feel anything. I can't feel what I'm doing. Sorry. Like I apologize oh to this goodness. man. You're and still having back labor and yes. trying to push. Yeah. Yes. And can't feel what I'm doing. And Terry said that this doctor with the suction was like arm flexed, sweating, veins popping, trying to pull her out, like could not get her out with the suction. I thought this was going to be an easy, like this will just make it faster to get her yeah. out. But she was stuck. Um, and then there was the panic once she was stuck so I had an episiotomy like very quickly episiotomy and I remember at this point in my head I was panicking but I was just not looking I was just thinking of Mia but there was a time where I thought she's not going to come out of here like I thought she's not going to be okay like I thought I've gone through all of this and I want her so badly and she's not going to be okay so that's when I was really like just closing my eyes so tightly like just and that's like a really hard mindset to be in. Yeah. When you're and in when, when he said about the episiotomy, I remember thinking, cut me in half. I don't care. Just get her out. I yeah. don't care what you do to me. And as she was coming out, they said about her being twisted. So she was in a really funny position. I think we're very lucky that she wasn't injured in her birth. Right. I think, and from her size and what they said about my body, I think she was almost too big and not in the right position. And maybe that should have been checked or monitored if they paid attention to her yeah, size. Yeah. You know, because when babies get stuck, they can get really injured. They can. Um, yeah. yeah. Or die, like not survive. So she was pulled out all twisted and they had said on the way out, get a pediatrician. Like they, there was a panic to get a doctor in for when she was born. Mm. And that really scared me. Like I was like, oh no. Like, and she came out and she screamed and she went straight onto my chest and oh, I was looking like it was the weirdest thing like you know they say when they're born you'll just love them straight away which wasn't 
exactly how it was for me. It took me a few hours to like fall in love properly with my babies, but I was like amazed by her. Like we looked into each other's eyes and I was like, I know you. Like we just knew each other. Yeah. And Terry nearly fainted. <laughs> we had to be the nurses were like, sit down. And they was- I heard I heard the midwives and nurses saying to him, we were all holding our breath too. Like they were all Aww. like, oh, that was awful. They were more panicked than me, I think. Um, and there I am, like didn't care anymore. I was like, she's so pretty. You should Aww. see her, Terry, come look at her. Like didn't care about anything anymore. Um, and the paediatrician came in and was like, oh, I was told she was blue. And they were like, yeah, we thought she was. But as soon as she was out, she was okay. Um, and then she was just fine after that. It's crazy because when Will was born, I had that exact thing of looking in his eyes and just going, I know you, my soul knows you. And till this day, I have two other children who I love. I just want to stress that a lot, but there's just something about Will. Yeah, that's exactly the same as how I feel with Mia. I love Hudson so much and it's a different relationship, but I feel like, I feel like Mia feels the same way. Like I feel like we both know, and I've even had people say to me that she's me again or something like it's like she's my life being lived again or something yeah we just had a crazy there's a connection there yeah yeah wow so after all that I I I wish we had like more time to dive into this because we had like I've had such a similar experience to you with the first baby yeah did you have any apprehension about giving birth to Huddy Yes. And how was your birthing experience compared to him, compared to Mia? So I was pretty scared. After having Mia, I said to Terry, I don't know if I can do that again. Yeah. And and I didn't get, I wasn't like clucky to have a second baby at all. We knew we wanted a two-year gap if we could plan it. And we were lucky that we could. We knew that we wanted Mia to have a sibling and that we would love that baby when it came along, but it was sort of just a logical time choice. So we got pregnant, luckily, like within a few months of wanting to and, it was going to be the two-year age gap and his pregnancy was a bit harder but coming up to the birth I was really scared not for myself but I was scared what if it happens again you know we were so lucky that she was okay what if it happens again I didn't have growth scans a second time because I didn't have diabetes yeah I had I mean I think my belly was big but like relatively small belly I'm a small person but I could feel like my whole belly was baby. Like I could feel their knees and their elbows and everything. Like it was you very compact. All baby. Yeah. In the photos, like yeah. you were all baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and people like medical staff would be like, oh, you've got a little belly. But I was like, I don't have any body fat over that. Like that entire bump is my baby in my placenta. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I had huge placentas too, just side note. Um, so coming up to the birth, I was really scared, but I'd had pretty good midwives that I'd seen. And I said, I don't really want an epidural because I think that was part of the problem. Yeah. I want to be able to feel the pushing or feel if something feels wrong, even if yeah. it's the position's not right, or I just want to be able to feel everything. So I was really lucky. I had exactly the same thing as with Mia. My water broke first before anything else. Wow. And do you remember, like other yes. people don't know this story. Yes. So I, I had been I was a week overdue with Hudson thinking the baby would come earlier because it was my second baby. I went yep. 41 weeks. I was like forcing, like willing my body to my water to break. I was dancing to Beyonce and squatting and my water popped everywhere. 
And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank literally what I was literally what I was such a relief. I actually Message. think I remember you on stories dancing to Beyonce. Yeah, like, I, I think like, I remember get, this. Yeah, get out of me. And Terry was at work and was working late that night. And I joked to him, like, because someone had asked if he could do their wedding hair and stuff. And I was like, that'll be the night I go into labor. And it was. I was, oh, like, Have you, I was like, can you just call me as soon as you finished? And he was like did your water break? I was like, yeah, just call me as soon as you can. Loki. And he cut, I think he did like five haircuts and at the end and stayed late. And at the end was like, it's free. I'm having a baby. Just go home. Like oh they didn't gosh. have to pay for anything because he was excited. But, <laughs> so my water broke, but no contractions. And I went in to get checked. Once we got me a sort, like still had to be organized, had a shower, washed my hair, emptied the dishwasher got me and ready for bed, all of that stuff. True Jess style. Yeah. I didn't have group B strep this time. So it was less of a stress, but you know, still. And once Terry's mum got here to look after me and we went to get checked, but I thought there's no rush because I don't have group B strep. They're not going to yep. do anything. I'll probably just be sent home, which is what they did. And they sent me home and they gave me a sleeping tablet. And I was like, because oh. I was due to be induced on the Sunday, I think. Yep. And this was a Saturday. Oh, yep. Friday night. My water broke on Friday night. Oh, my and, gosh. Oh, and this was my water broke. And like 10 minutes later, you messaged me and said, I just have to tell you, I think you're going to go into labor tonight or your baby's going to be born tomorrow or something. And I was like, you were the first, per- literally the first person I told. I was like, oh don't tell gosh. anyone. But my water just broke. You just and now. I have this crazy connection though. Because I, like, I remember just before I had Kyla, I'm pretty sure you messaged me. You're like, I've just like dreamt or had this feeling that you're going to have a baby. And then yes. I fell pregnant with Kyla. Like yes. we've had this weird and, pregnancy connection. And I guessed Kyla's name. Remember? Yeah, you did. Yes. I know, you did. Oh my, I forgot all about that. You certainly did. Like I put the questions box up and you, you guessed her name and I sat there going, fuck off. Because there was yeah. hundreds of guesses and I didn't give any clues about what... Yep. Her name was, except it was going to be like Will. She's going to be named after someone in the family because my maiden name's Williams. William was named after me. You did. You guessed her name. Spot yep. on. Yeah. Um, so, and when you were pregnant with Axel, I didn't want to message you, but I had a feeling you were pregnant. And then when you did share yes. that you were pregnant, I was like, I had a feeling. I, just I know. It. it was so um, crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Um, yeah. So went in and got checked and they said, you know, your water has broken, but you're not in labor yet. Go home. Here's a sleeping tablet. And I said to Terry, I'm not taking a sleeping tablet because I do not want to be induced because I was scared <laughs> induction would equal epidural again. Yeah, of course you would. Intense. That's what you experienced. Yeah. And because induction is really intense, it's painful. If they put you on the drip, it's painful. And so I was like, I'm going home and I'm going to bounce on the ball. I'm not going to sleep. I'm getting this We're labor getting going. This baby out. And Terry laid in the bed and I just like bounced on the ball for hours and I did everything I could and contractions would start, but they would stop. And I gave up at like 4am because they'd said to me, if you're not in labor by the morning, come back at seven and we will induce you. Yes. So that's, I was like, no, but it got to four and I was like, I'm tired and I have to have a baby in the morning. I'm going to sleep. (laughs) And as soon as I laid down, the contraction started. And I was like, I should have gone to bed. Like I should have just listened and gone to bed. Um, And the contraction started. It still wasn't active labor. It was just, they were getting started. And I stayed home. I didn't even leave home till seven. I lived like 20 minutes away from the hospital. I just did not want to be induced. Yeah. It was like making Mia breakfast and it was all really calm. And Mia was like rubbing my back if I had a little bit of a contraction. It was beautiful. But she's two at this stage. Yes. Yes. Um, 
but she was beautiful. She knew his name. She was so excited. Um, and Terry's mum, as we were leaving, said to Terry, you know, just let me know when it happens. And she was like, I think it'll be a while, judging by. Because I wasn't, you know, I seemed fine. She's like, I yeah. think it'll be a while. That was it just after seven. And Hudson was born at 11.30. So I wasn't even in active labour when I left home. I think I was in active labour for less than three hours. That's amazing. Yeah. And when I got there, they strayed away without even asking how I was feeling or anything. And once I got to the hospital, I started to feel more consistent contractions. And they were quite painful. But they still put the drip in my hand ready to give me the The induction. And I was like, I was annoyed, but I just, again, didn't speak up for myself. Yeah. And Terry was probably thinking, what are you doing? Like you said that you were going to tell them, but (laughs) he knows me well. And like, yeah, so they put it in, but they hadn't started the drip. They just got it ready. And then they took me into my room. And by this point, I think it was like 8.30. And I was pretty much in active labor now. I was having like three contractions every 10 minutes. They were intense. And I could tell that the midwife knew that, but I think the doctors had said, we're doing induction. So she said, I'm just going to give you a little bit. She was like, just a tiny bit. Like she didn't even want to do it, but she had to, which was was kind of like on your side. Just let's just, yeah. So she gave me a tiny little bit. I don't know if it made any difference, but from then on, I had this midwife and a student midwife who'd never been at a birth. She was brand new and they just stood back and let me do what I want to do. Oh, wow. And this labor was so different in that, like, I was with Mia, I was like silent. And like, I talked about that afterwards, like it was an achievement. Like, I didn't even make a noise. But with Hudson, I was like an animal, you know, those like, that like primal, Yeah. I was like holding onto Terry and I could move around because I wasn't attached to like, I had the group B strip drip last time, the antibiotics and then the epidural, but I was like, moving around and holding on to Terry and just making these sounds and the midwives just they never checked me they checked me the night before and I was like one centimeter they didn't check me that morning at all they didn't do anything they just left me and then I ended up being Terry sitting on the bed and me on my knees on the floor and I think they'd noted like they sort of could tell it had only been a couple of hours but they could tell that I was close and they came and just put like a, a pad under my knees and like helped me take my undies off and they were like, just push whenever you feel like it. Wow, Jess. And I remember thinking, oh, I could have pushed ages ago. I thought I wasn't allowed to. Like, (laughs) like, I was so ready. So I, yeah, I just started pushing. And then they told me as he was coming out that he was still in his waters, even though, so they had broken, but I think it was like the hind waters and it was a leak, but it had, because nothing had been coming out for hours. It had come out the night before, but it had stopped. Yeah. So it can seal back over. So he ended up being born in his waters. Oh, wow. I had this like first time midwife standing behind me, like student watching and this other midwife with like a big face shield in case she got splashed through the waters. <laughs> and I think they wanted, they were tempted to pop them, but I was like, don't like, cause that's so cool that he's that's coming out. That's so in his beautiful. And they just didn't even touch me. They didn't check me. They didn't touch me. And they were standing back and they were like, just trust your body. Just do whatever feels wow. right. And we talked about how Mia was quite big, but we didn't know how big Hudson was going to be. And he came out and he was behind me because I was like on my knees facing the bed. He was behind me. And I didn't see him in his sack. It broke like as he came out. Yeah. Um, but they said, have a look at him. Do you think he's bigger than your daughter? And I turned around. And I was like, oh, my God, he's huge. Like, he was <laughs> so big. They were both like, Mia was nine pound one and Hudson was nine pound four. 
Oh, wow. So, like, You've got big babies, girlfriend. I know, I know. Um, yeah, but with Hudson, it was so much different. There was no tears, no That's episiotomy, so nothing. Yeah. And how I, I hated, I loved it, but I hated it. But when I had Will, I obviously had a traumatic birth. Um, then Kyla came. And when I was pregnant with her, everyone's like, this baby will heal you. This will, mm-hmm. this birthing experience will heal you. And it was like, okay. And by the end, I'm like, can you shut up? Because it probably won't. And that, I'm, I'm sick of hearing it. But it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I, yeah, I was like, I was just so scared the whole pregnancy. And, you know, as soon as Mia had been born, I said to Terry, because everyone I've ever known, they've said labor's painful, but straight after it's done, you say, I want to do that again. Let's have another one. Yeah. And I said to Terry, you know how people say that? I don't think I can ever do that again. That was horrible. <laughs> and I was like, no way. And then with Hudson, as soon as he was born and all of his newborn days, I was like, let's just have another one. Like, I just loved that so much. It was so healing. Yeah. Now I think of birth with fondness. Like, I'm like, I would do that a hundred times. I loved it. And it was really magical too, because I remember you sharing on your stories, people obviously didn't know you were in labor at that that point, but I did because I was on the, in the circle. Yes. As you drove to the hospital, there was a magical rainbow on your drive there, wasn't there? Yeah. There was a lot of um, signs with Hudson. So like, my water broke on Friday the 13th. We, it was like stormy and raining. We'd driven under this rainbow and no one you knew and like Terry's mum knew and stuff, but my friends didn't even know. And they said, when they saw that story, that's how they knew I was in labor because I was in the passenger seat and Terry should have been at work and they could tell, <laughs> yeah, we drove under a rainbow. And the night before when we went to get checked, we got pulled over by the police because one of our tail lights were out. Like there were all these funny things that happened and then walking into the hospital in the morning, it was raining and my shoe broke. And this woman was like, oh, are you okay? But I was mid contraction. So I was like, mm, like, don't talk to me. And then he after born he was, in his waters. Yeah. He and he was born water. Yes. He Everywhere. was born in his waters. And then, cause I think it was raining a little bit, but then it had been like sunny or whatever. Cause obviously the rainbow. And then, so he was born and I'd had the blinds closed in the room. I like it dark. And after he was born and I was holding him, I said to Terry, can you open the blind so I can see like the sunshine? And it was pouring with rain. Holy moly. Yeah. There's, and he is the biggest water baby. He's never cried in the bath. He's oh. an amazing swimmer. He's always been like a really good swimmer. He's like, yeah, such yeah. a water baby. What's, what's his star sign? He's an Aries. Okay. So that's a fire sign. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if he's a water sign. That yeah. would be really cool. Yeah, it would be. Uh, that is so beautiful. So you've gone on now to have these two beautiful children and everyone who knows you on Instagram knows you as a really beautiful, kind, gentle mother. Cause that's what you are and that's what you show. And that's what you like promote, like, nope, I want to say promote, sorry, but let's just the things that you inspire people to do. And I adore that about you. You're so educational. Your children are exceptionally smart. How, like who inspires you? How did you come up with this parenting philosophy? I don't even, I say to Terry all the time, like I never set out to be like inspiring anyone or whatever, but then people follow me and they do send me messages and say, I learned this from you or this. But I think because I've always wanted to have kids, I've, I've got a really strong memory. I say things to mum, I remember when this happened and she's like, how on earth do you remember that? Or even my sister who's older than me, she's like, I don't remember that. I've got a really strong memory of childhood and being a kid and a teenager and what I liked and what I didn't like as far as like, you know, how certain things felt to me as a kid, what wasn't, what didn't feel good. 
and because I've always wanted to have kids, I think I've always kept that in my mind. And yeah. before we had kids, I said to Terry, you know, I want to do this with them or I want it to be like a mutual respect. You know, we respect yeah. just things like that. And I said, we need to remember that. Like, I'm going to write that down and remember that when we're in it. Yeah. And so I think it's just always been really intentional. And it wasn't ever something like, I want to share this with people and inspire people. But I guess people just watch it. Just by nature, it's happened. Yeah. And, and I, it's, it's definitely been very intentional. Like, I always would say, when I have kids, if I'm lucky enough to be a stay-at-home mum, I want to do this with them or, yeah. yeah. It's just been what I've always said and, like, almost manifested that this is the relationship I want to have with my kids and do you have days where you literally can't though like that you just like you've cried in the bedroom or the pantry or something do you have those days with your children yeah a hundred percent and I say this to my friends like because I'm lucky enough to have friends that have kids the same age that I can vent to and I say sometimes I worry because you know I never set out to be like a mummy blogger or anything like you know sharing my experiences but that's just happened naturally and I worry that people only see the good because it's not in my nature to it's hard for me to even message my friends and say I'm having a hard day and I'm very much someone that just keeps it in or tells Terry when he gets home um so it's something that I struggle with like I feel like people watch me and they only see the good things because it's not in my nature to pick up my phone and be like having a really hard day. And I love seeing that. I love like you share when you're having a hard time. It's yeah. so good for people to be able to see, but it's really hard for me to share that stuff. But I do definitely, I have days where I like scream at the kids and I'm like, I'm sorry. I always apologize. Like that's yeah, really that's important, important to me. I apologize, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just having a really hard day and I just can't get out of it. But then yeah. it's good because the kids have those days and they can say the same thing to me. Mummy, I'm sorry, I'm just really tired today or I'm sorry, I'm just not in a good mood. Like they learn those things too. mirrored that to them. Yeah. And like, you know, I think that people always sometimes go on a bit too much about people showing the highlight reel on Instagram. But the thing is some people just don't feel comfortable or like, I mean, I feel like when I share my bad days, it's, it's, I've learned to share the lesson, not the mess. Yeah. Um, But some people don't want to do that because like you, like, you know, picking up your phone when you are feeling bit shitty can be really invasive and it's not that you share a highlight reel it's just you really do inspire mums I said I said this on a live the other day when I was on with you that I was having a really bad day once with the kids and I I immediately thought to myself what would Jess do just because you're so inspiring so just because you don't show those days doesn't mean that you aren't inspiring people like in those moments yeah yeah and it's I because I have said to my friends and said to Terry, oh, I feel like I should show the hard times more, but I almost feel like that wouldn't be, I would be being less authentic to myself. If yeah. I was to pick up my phone and write something about a hard day, that wouldn't be me. That's not in my nature. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know that you're very big on like sharing your children's privacy as well. So I know that like for you, it would almost be like, um, not that I'm disrespectful for my children, but I know for you, it's almost like, would my kids want to see this? Like, you know, it's their moment, it's their day. It's not really something that I want to share with the world. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I think, you know, it's okay. Sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm having a hard day or like all of these kids today, like hurry up, Terry, get home. But it's never like this child is doing this specifically because I do think 
that's their moment. And yeah. I don't mind if other people do it because it's cool for me to say, oh, it's not just my kid. Yeah. But yeah, I just choose to not show, you know, if they're having a tantrum, it's never in my mind, oh, I'll pick up my phone and show yeah, my kid having a tantrum. It's, it's just like you said, it's authentic to you. Yeah. Yeah. And at, in those times, I'm with my child focused on them. It's not even because that is so overwhelming when your kid's having a tantrum or something oh, going on. I, yeah. Yeah. But you are yeah. so beautiful with them and like educational. And I know like I love seeing things like, you know, you decorate your own Christmas paper at Christmas time and yeah. you're so educational with them. And I think it's really beautiful that people do see that like, and this is what I want to get into with you is that you are so much yourself. Like you swear and you're funny. Like you're the queen of memes on Instagram. Like the <laughs> shit you share. I'm like, oh my God, where do you find this shit? <laughs> it's so funny. And, you know, you are very, even though you are quite private, you are quite, um, you do put it out there and make it well known that you and Terry have an excellent connected relationship. So you have this soft and gentle side of you as a mother, but you also have this really bold, fierce part of you where you like, you love your R&B Fridays and you love Beyonce and, you know, you, you have this sexual chemistry with your husband. How do you keep that up? Like, how do you make time for you and time for you and Terry? Because I think it's beautiful. And I think a lot of women need to listen to this, especially because our relationship with our partners is so important and they can feel like the enemy sometimes, but when you bind together, it makes you stronger, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think definitely like becoming a mum has like made me softer and kinder. And anyone who knew me before I had kids, I think I was yeah, just a just not as soft and kind. I think, I don't think I've ever been a horrible person, but I'm definitely kinder and nicer now, but I've, it's always been pretty important to me to not lose myself in motherhood. And I've always wanted to be a mum. So it's, you know, I love that part of me, but I always see it like I'm not mum. I'm Jess and I'm Mia and Hudson's mum. I'm Jess first. And I'm Terry's wife, but even as Terry's wife, he's married to Jess, if that makes sense. It's I'm yeah. a whole person yeah. on my own. So, you know, I say to Terry, like, I am I am me and then you are married to me. And, I, you know, he talks about clients coming to work and they say their wives pick out all their outfits or whatever. And I'm like, I want to be married to a whole person. Yeah. Not You're not my child as well or I don't know. So it's always been important to me to just still be me. And even though I have changed since having kids, you know, and I'm more like I consider myself a feminist and I have more, you know, my views are quite strong now about certain things and I've grown as a person. It's still me. It's not, I'm not just someone's mum. And then our relationship as well. I think us both being strong in ourselves is important. We're both, we know what we bring to the table. We know we're not just each other's partner. Like we don't need each other. Yeah. We both know who we are. Yeah. And something with Will Smith that he did with his wife to talk about his wife, Jada, how they have to come together happy. They can't make each other happy. And that's how a successful relationship is. Yes. And it's not that you don't need them, but ultimately, like you're saying, you are you first. You have to put yourself first before you can be a good mum or be a good wife. Yeah, 100%. Not even just a good wife, but giving every like, you know, we all want to be amazing parents and amazing partners, but if we don't fill up our own cup, and I know it's so fucking cliche to say this, yeah. if we don't fill it up, we've got nothing to pour over to anybody else. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And because we've like, our kids haven't been to daycare. We don't have a lot of, you know, people who look after them for us. So I'm with the kids so much and Terry works so much, but we've always had to realize that it's important and find the time to still give to ourselves, take care of ourselves and to our relationship. Like I've just always thought of, I know because when I was a teenager, I had little siblings. So I've seen babies and toddlers grow up and now they're teenagers. And I know how fast that goes. Yes. Like I've got, I'm lucky. I've got that perspective. I know how fast our kids are going to grow up. So I've said to Terry from the start, like this has to be you and me still, because before we know it, the kids aren't going to live here anymore. Yeah. Like we can't just lose ourselves to being mum and dad and then the kids are gone. And then who are we, who are we separately and who are we as a couple? Like, we just, it's a priority to us to still be a strong couple and make time for that. So how do you, like, what do you do or what do you do together or how, how could you help other women? What suggestions could you give them to create um, that, that bond, especially if you are always around the children as well? Yeah. So for us, it's really simple. Like we're both very simple, easy, pleased, like relaxed people. We've got very similar personalities, but you know, Terry works like 11 hours a day almost and I'm always with the kids but we do we've got bedtime and the kids are in bed and then it's just us so like that, that's enough we don't have a regular date night or anything extravagant that we do we probably go out just the two of us like a couple of times a year if that yeah but it's you know every night the kids are in bed we've got a tv in our bedroom we like watch netflix together and hang out it's like yeah. a date night every night just really simple and that's enough for us just like chatting about our day or yeah, it's just the little moments. You just got to find the little moments or like being in the car together and holding hands or like finding time to have a cuddle or like the kids laugh because like Terry will kiss us all goodbye and me and him kiss for way longer and they like laugh and try and jump in like still. And the kids can see that they're like, we're all a family, but mummy and daddy are different. Like we're, yeah. we're not just your mum and dad. Like we love each other. We try to show that to them. And how inspiring yeah. for them when they're older to have like a benchmark to have that is that's what I want with my future. Yeah, we always think about that too. Like we want to show them a healthy relationship, you know, which not everyone is lucky enough to have, but we are lucky and we've got a good relationship and we want to model that to them. Yeah. That this is, and don't, ex, don't accept less than someone who respects you and loves you and, yeah. you know, you deserve this and this is how it can look. Yeah. Like we would love it if our kids can, you know, you see people say like, I want to be like my parents who've been married for yeah. 50 years or whatever, like just for them to have that relationship to look at is, yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. important to Kyle and I as well. Like um, communication is really important for us. Um, you know, especially if we, one of us feels like we're not, you know, giving, getting what we need. I mean, obviously relationships, are, um, you know, have that, tug and pull like you know sometimes they need you more than you need them and vice versa I mean like and Terry works so much just because he owns a business um is it yeah. the barber shop he, what's yep. his business name Mr Clyde's Mr Clyde's that's it yeah. I love that um you know it's you know when he was probably building his business he probably needed your support more than you needed his and then like when you're a newborn mum you know balance is really beautiful in the relationship and it's never sometimes it's not 50 50 you yeah, give and definitely. receive and the communication is so important and like you said taking those small moments yep. when the kids are in bed and you can just chill with yeah. each other 
I almost feel like if we waited for like a date night once a week, then like, what about the other six days of the week? Or I don't know. I just, yeah, it's an everyday thing. Yeah. And some days we might not even get a chance to like kiss each other or whatever, but it's still there. Like it's still, I don't know. Yeah. We just find little moments where we can. And I think that's really beautiful to know that you don't need extravagance to still have a really romantic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are so beautiful. Like I said, I really love seeing you guys um, together. Just even the photos you you post together, you can just see how much, like even the sexual chemistry between you two in your photos. And I know it's not even like, I remember seeing one of you on the beach recently and the kids were down by your your knees. And I was just like, oh my God, like how do you guys like, the the sexual chemistry is so there. Like it's just beautiful, (laughs) your relationship with Terry. Our friends laugh at us because when we're like with friends and We'll all, if there's a few families, we take photos for each other, family yeah. photos. And they'll be like, all right, go on, have your kiss photo. Cause me and Terry always look like, <laughs> and to us, that's so normal. Like we're very like physical touch is how we show our love. Yeah. Mostly like, so that's really normal to us, but yeah, they all laugh at us. It's pretty funny. Oh, you guys are honestly the cutest and your, your family is so beautiful. Mia is just the most beautiful little girl. Like she blows me away and Hudson, like, I feel like his personality is really starting to come out, especially like showing little things through Instagram that he does and how sweet of a child he is. He is, he's such a funny one because he's very, very shy. Um, He was a very calm baby. And then, you know, I would take him out and he'd always be so quiet around everyone. And I would say, I don't know if he's shy or just, just really chill. And as he's gotten older, it's very obvious he's, he's really shy. Like he's, he gets quite anxious and overwhelmed and he, he's two and a half, but he asked me to bring the pram sometimes so he can sit in the pram with the hood yeah. down if he gets overwhelmed. But at home, he's the funniest, cheekiest, like he's hilarious. He's like, says things that he knows are a bit rude or naughty and I'll be like Hudson you can't say that and he says but it's funny though oh my god he's an entertainer and it's so funny yeah it's funny that you say that about him because I've noticed that on Instagram just the little things that you do share that Mia really encourages him a lot of the time to do things so it makes so much sense now after you saying that she's just instinctively just gone yeah like I need to help my brother with this like because she is such a old soul you are so oh, right when you say that she she is such a before there were any siblings or cousins I was like you can tell she never acted like an only child she acted like the oldest child yeah I was like you can tell she's going to be the oldest cousin and the oldest of all the kids she just always and I actually recently was away with friends for a weekend and there was a psychic at the markets and we were like let's just go and let's see go. the psychic yeah and she said to me you know I, I had two kids and she said your boy is your youngest one, isn't he? I said, yeah. And she said, he's very feminine and very sensitive. I was like, yeah, like that's him to a T. And she said, the older one, your daughter will always take care of him. They'll be together forever. And they will always just take care of each other. And I was like, oh, good. Like it's like what you want as a mum. Yes. Yeah. Jess, thank you so much for spending the time with us today and telling us your beautiful story. I really think that people will love listening to this and getting to know you a little bit better. It's just been crazy. And I mean, I've been following you for years and I'm just like, oh my gosh, we've got so much in common and just what you've been through. And um, just thank you for being so real and raw with everything that you share and who you are. And you're such a beautiful soul and I love following you. 
thank you. I love following you too. I always say to people, my friend Candice, I always call you my friend. I'm like, who? I, that. I don't know that person. Yeah. I can't wait till oh. I go to Tassie or you go to yeah. Melbourne and I know. We'll each other. I know. Yeah. I even, I say to Terry, oh, Candice said this and he knows who I'm talking about. Oh my God. I say the same thing with Kyle. Like I was like, I'm just interviewing my friend Jess today. I'm so yeah. nervous. He's like, you'll be fine, babe. Like you've yeah. you taught, learned it for ages. Yeah. Now yeah. people can find you on Instagram at Jess underscore underscore Leary. Yes. Yeah. I'll leave that in the show notes below so you can actually find her if you're not already following her because she does share such beautiful things with her children. Like I said, she's the memes queen. And you can really see how much Jess is herself too because you'll see these really beautiful videos of her children and then all of a sudden there'll be like this really powerful meme and then like this really funny meme and I just yeah. love scrolling I think through you that's so like me like I could never describe myself really quickly I'm like me as a mum is one thing and then me as a wife is different and then me as a person like yeah it is and I love that you're multi like you have those parts of you and it's so inspiring for other women too so thank you for for who you. you are and what you bring to this world thank you all right. Well, thank you guys. That's, that's our conversation for today. You can find Jess on Instagram in the show notes and until next time, keep smiling and stay beautiful. Hey girl, thanks for listening to today's episode. I would absolutely love it if you took a screenshot of today's episode and popped it up on your Instagram stories and tagged me at underscore Candace Barber, just so I can see what you're up to while you're listening. That would just bring me so much joy. Also, if you have loved today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app, just so we can help reach more beautiful people. And if you do have a story that you think you'd like to share on the podcast, please get in touch. I'll leave the details in the show notes below. Until next week, girl, feel free to come and jump over on Insta and have a chat, but I will see you next episode.